In the doctor's words, it was nothing short of a miracle, and I was healed. I was in tears as I was receiving the word from God that definitely strengthened, encouraged, and comforted me. And in my heart, I heard him respond, I know. And those two words healed so much. Good morning, Lincoln Park. How are you guys doing? Oh my gosh, it is so good to be here, you guys. Um, as Jeff mentioned, I am from uh, the suburbs. I actually live in the Bolingbrook area west of here. Uh, but I grew up in Oklahoma, so this uh, summertime in the city is feeling really familiar to me with the heat that we've been having. If I have been able to spend the weekend down here. My daughter lives in uh, the West Loop. And um, so I've just been enjoying summertime in the city. And so afterwards, man, I would love to see you guys at Cilantro. I think it's a great day to kind of hang out uh, and get to know each other a little bit better. I know some faces in here, but some people look brand new as well. So I would love to get to know you a little bit better. So welcome uh, to Lincoln Park. Um, I have a little survey I want to take, and it's really just for my own curiosity. Um, I love social media, and I have really mastered the social media scroll, particularly over the past uh, pandemic. I don't know. I just kind of leaned into that hard. Anybody else? But I'm curious, what social media platform do you prefer? Do I have Twitter people in the room? Any Twitter people? <gasps> yeah, it's just maybe for the old men in the room. Is that what Twitter is now? <laughs> Right? What about Facebook? Do I have any Facebook? Thank you. Facebook is still around. I know. Facebook is still around. Instagram. Who are my Instagram folks? That's kind of like, yes, I know. Okay, here's the one that just drives my teenage boys crazy. TikTok. Who's a TikTok person? You raise your hand. I'm going to high five you, man. I love TikTok. I fell in love with TikTok um, during the pandemic. I've been on the platform maybe a year or something like that. And what originally drew me was obviously silly videos and stuff. But you can learn so much through TikTok. It's amazing how much you can learn in one-minute clips over 30 minutes of time, right? <laughs> Definitely. But here's one thing that intrigues me. What intrigues me about these social media platforms is what is it that makes a post go viral? What makes a post go viral? I want you to take a trip down social media memory lane with me and look at some of these viral things that took place. Does anybody remember the Harlem Shake? This was back in 2013. Anybody make a video? It was a silly dance. I am not going to do it. That's about as far as I'm going to get into that dance. But did anybody make a video? Anybody in here? If you made a video, I want it. I want to see. Are you raising your hand? We will connect. I want to see the video. That's awesome. Okay, what about the viral debate of the blue dress and the gold dress? Remember that? That was from 2015. Or the Laurel and Yanni. Did anybody do that one? Where you listened to it? I, I, my son and I, right next to one another, listening to it. I heard Laurel, he heard Yanni. Crazy. Okay, so in 2020, there was another viral phenomenon that took place. I don't know if you caught this or not. Um, in 2020... The year that didn't happen, right? Like, when I say last year, I meant 2019, not 2020. But this actually happened in 2020. Take a look at this picture. Anybody remember this? The standing broom. Did anybody do this? 
How this got started is somebody tweeted out that on February 10th of 2020, that because of some miraculous gravitational pull of the earth, that you could get a broom to stand on like that. And so people were all over the place, were getting their brooms out of their closet <laughs> and seeing if they would stand. And here, here's the thing, I did it. Like, <laughs> I went and grabbed the broom, I did it, I wanted to see, but here's the thing. It turns out that broom can stand on any given day, actually. And it has nothing to do with the gravitational pull of the Earth on the special day of February 10th. It really is just because of the bristles of the broom. And NASA didn't even send the text out. So go home today. If you have a broom like that, take it out. Just kind of smush it onto the floor. Maybe you'll impress some friends or something like that. Um, but here's the thing. Um, I think when we see things like this pop up on the Internet, I think we're intrigued. I think we're amazed. When we see things like this that don't instantly make sense, I think we're drawn in, right? We're drawn in and we're curious about what happens. I think we're all kind of drawn to the supernatural. Now, it's one thing if it's a standing broom, but what about other kind of more powerful acts that are supernatural? What about when you hear about somebody getting healed? Or somebody says, God told me, or it was a miracle. What then? Are you, are you intrigued? Are you skeptical? Me, I'm kind of a mixture of both, I think. I'm kind of intrigued and I'm kind of skeptical at the same time. So today we're starting this brand new series called Naturally Supernatural. And I know naturally supernatural, it's an oxymoron, right? It doesn't make sense. But here's the thing, and I think it'll help us uh, figure this out. First of all, natural. Let's look at the definition of natural. And it says existing in or caused by nature, not made or caused by humankind. And this is the part I think we understand. The kind of natural part is what we see for ourselves. It's something that we can see, we can observe, we can kind of measure, we can predict it. It's normal and natural because it occurs over and over again everywhere. And so this natural is something that we can lean into. But let's learn about supernatural. Supernatural, as defined, is something beyond scientific understanding or the laws of nature. And this is where things begin to get a little blurry and maybe a little messy. In order for something to be supernatural, by definition, um, it's beyond what is natural, right? That's kind of what we've learned here. And it's kind of outside of what we see is observable, measurable, and predictable. Which is why I think we kind of struggle with this idea of supernatural and why some people's reaction might be even just to kind of reject it, right? It's kind of outside of what we would consider observable things that happen. But the reality is that the supernatural and the natural are inextricably linked. They're inextricably linked. I want you to think about this. All that we know and experience that is natural first came about supernaturally. Everything. No matter what you believe, no matter what you believe about how things came into existence, a Big Bang theory, creation theory, at some point we have to acknowledge that what we call natural actually came from nothing. The observable, the measurable, the predictable was born out of this supernatural experience. 
Now, I know that's a bit of a mind bender whenever we kind of think about that, but here's why I think it's really important for us to kind of consider this. Perhaps it is possible that both the natural and the supernatural can exist at the same time. I think they can exist at the same time. And perhaps supernatural is actually meant to be part of our natural lives. I think we're created to live naturally supernatural. And and I want to push you a little bit further on this too. I think as Christ followers, I think we're supposed to live that way. We're supposed to live naturally supernatural lives. Think about this. Jesus, he came to earth. God stepped into the earth from heaven. A cornerstone of our Christian theology is that Jesus is fully human, but he's also fully God. He's perfectly natural and perfectly supernatural. He's both. And Jesus, he modeled for all of us kind of what it looks like to live this naturally supernatural life. And so for that reason, I want to challenge you. I want to challenge you to be open, open to leaning in this series. I love this quote from this German missionary. It says, Christianity is either supernatural or nothing at all. As Christ followers, we believe God was the initiator of creation. Out of nothing, he spoke everything into existence. God created the natural, but he is inherently supernatural. And Jesus, he he lived in this natural, broken kingdom of this world. But everywhere he went, he ushered in this supernatural existence of God's kingdom. He was constantly at work, constantly at work, putting the natural back together as it was originally intended to be. The gospel writer Matthew, he talks about Jesus' ministry this way. He says, Jesus went throughout Galilee, teaching in their synagogues, proclaiming the good news of the kingdom and healing every disease and sickness among the people. If following Jesus meant that we are to do what he did, then naturally supernatural is the perfect description of the life that we're called to live. And yet for many of us, this supernatural feels way, way out of our comfort zones. And when it comes to this part of our faith, we have doubts, fears, reservations, maybe even bad experiences. And it's important to acknowledge that I initially had a bad experience with this kind of supernatural thing. Um, some of you are familiar with my story, and if you're not, I, I don't mean to alarm you, but um, I was married for, um, I'm married now, celebrating 17 years in July, but prior to that, I had been married for 10 years, and my first husband um, passed away from cancer. And, uh, but it was during that season that I found my way back to God and, and so it was a crazy, supernatural experience for me. However, prior to me finding my way back to God, I got a phone call from a stranger who told me that she had a dream that my husband was healed. And that 
I, I didn't know this person. That was my first experience with this kind of supernatural thing. I didn't know God. I wasn't going to church at the time. And I was, that was a bad experience. So I think it's important for us to really acknowledge that up front, that that could be part of our experience that makes this feel really uncomfortable. Hearing from God, prophecy, healings, they've been abused, they've been misused, and so we need to be discerning and wise. That's true. We do need to be discerning and wise. And so I think we can hesitantly say we just don't believe it. We can think it's just way outside of what's possible, or maybe we just don't think that, that God does this kind of thing anymore, and it just doesn't fit within kind of the box that we're used to. And so during this series, we're going to challenge one another. We're going to challenge one another to expand what we call the plausibility structure. And we've illustrated this plausibility structure through this picture that you see right here on the screen on either side. You see, at the center of this box, it's our relationship with God. This represents how we actually see how God works, what's possible and what's plausible in our own understanding. And that's different, and it's for each of us individually. And so we kind of, what we expect of God is, is in, in this box. We expect him to hear our prayers. We expect him maybe to forgive us. We expect him to, you know, usher us into heaven. But what we don't expect and what lives outside of our plausibility structure is maybe we don't expect to hear our prayers or to speak to us or to heal. And that's what's outside of that. We don't expect these things. And, and we don't expect him to move outside of these boundaries that we've kind of created through our own life experience and maybe what other people have said. And so many of us, when we think of this supernatural activity, it lays way outside of what we have deemed possible. And I totally get that. I have my own possibility box too. We each have our own. And the supernatural sometimes is way outside of our comfort zones. But over the past few years, I've been leaning into my relationship with God in a new way. And I have begun to experience these supernatural things of God. And I've leaned into this. And I've been on this journey of discovering the supernatural ways of Jesus and the supernatural ways of God. But this hasn't just been a journey that I've been on. We've actually been on this journey as a church as well. Our church has kind of been on this new journey, leaning into this naturally supernatural experience. And I want you to listen to these words from our lead pastor, Dave Ferguson. He'll talk a little bit more about that. A few years ago, I got invited to Savanger, Norway, to do some training uh, with a church there. Uh, the pastor there was a guy by the name of Martin Cave. Martin was a guy who grew up in the Lutheran tradition, which... If you know about the Lutheran tradition, they actually have a very, very small kind of plausibility box. But over the years, Martin continued to learn more and more about the ministry of Jesus. In fact, he became an expert on it and eventually wrote a book about it. And in the book, it talked about Jesus' ministry in three different parts. Um, compassion, which was love. Uh, his teaching, which is his telling of the truth about this life and the next. And then the miracles, the supernatural. And rather than just trying to keep God in his box, over the years, he would try his very best to minister the way Jesus did, through compassion and teaching and miracles. So at church, 
when people would come forward at the end of their church service for prayer, um, they wouldn't do anything weird, but they'd ask God for a miracle. And amazing things started happening. People started getting healed. Miracles started occurring. And partly I know because I was there and I got to meet some of the people. I got to hear their stories firsthand. And what was even more amazing is when they realized that Jesus used healing, used miracles to actually build up the faith of other people, what they started doing, they started praying for people in the town square in Stavanger, downtown. And again, it was nothing weird. Actually, they would, they would rent a tent, kind of like the kind you'd get you know, for a picnic. They'd have a few folding chairs, a water cooler in case someone wanted something to drink. And then they, they hung a simple banner on the tent in big, bold block letters that said, need prayer, question mark. Need prayer? And people who were out shopping or going out to eat or just hanging out downtown, they would stop and ask them for prayer. And they'd pray for them. And people had miraculous things happen right there in the town square. In fact, Martin told me, he said, they began to measure it because it was so phenomenal, such a phenomenon that they saw two to three times more miracles in the town square than they actually did in the church. Two to three times as many. And when I had that experience, it was like it expanded my plausibility box. Okay, so it's important for me to say up front, and as I had already mentioned, that this isn't a series about chasing after miracles, and it's not trying to force this supernatural. The heart behind this is, is there ways that we can begin to experience God that we are missing out on? Ways that are supernatural that we can't explain. I want us to lean into that. As a church, I don't want any one of us to miss out on how God might be working in and through every single one of us. We want to experience everything God has for us. We want to experience his love. We want to experience his forgiveness. And yes, we want to experience this supernatural God. I find it interesting that the early church struggled with this supernatural thing too. They did as well, and we can read about it in the scriptures. Uh, in Paul's letter to uh, the Corinthians, he's expressing the same kind of concern for the Corinthian church uh, as we're expressing today. Uh, he wanted the Christ followers in Corinth to experience the supernatural. But notice how this conversation starts out. It seems that there are those at the church in Corinth who are uninformed about these supernatural gifts. There's lots of confusion about the purpose of the gifts. Some of the people in the church were kind of elevating these spiritual gifts to be more important than others. And then some were accusing other people of blasphemy. And it was kind of a mess, actually. But Paul wants to kind of clear things up as we read in this scripture here so they can see what they're missing out on and what God wants to do in and through them. And I think the same thing could be true in our church today. There is a danger in us making this bigger than it actually is. There is a danger in that. But if we deny the existence and we remain uninformed, we're going to miss out. We're going to miss out on the ways that God wants to work in and through us and experience this supernatural activity that God has in the world. So Paul goes on to teach the Corinthians about the supernatural gifts. And he says there are different kinds of gifts, but the same spirit. There are different kinds of service, but the same Lord. There are different kinds of working, 
but in all of them and in everyone is the same God at work. And so Paul wants to clear things up, and he's saying all of these gifts, all these things that you see that you're experiencing, these are all from God. He's the source of these gifts. And why are these gifts given? We can go ahead and read on. You can follow on the screen as well. It says, now to each one the manifestation of the Spirit is given for, and here's the clincher, the common good. The common good. These gifts are to benefit the whole community, to build up our faith. They're not given to elevate an individual. They're given to elevate the entire community. When it comes to these spiritual gifts, it's, it's about we. It's, it's, it's not about me. And so Paul goes on to give a list of these supernatural gifts as we continue to read in the book of Corinthians. And, and I'm just going to quickly reference these, but you can read it for yourself here as well. And so the first thing that I want to kind of point to your, your attention to here is that this is not an exhaustive list of gifts, okay? There are multiple places in the New Testament that spiritual gifts are listed. But Paul, the second thing I want to kind of point out here is Paul's kind of talking more about the supernatural gifts. Remember, it's his aim for Christ followers to begin to practice these supernatural gifts uh, right away in a natural way. And so I want to kind of categorize the gifts that we see listed in the scripture in kind of three different uh, categories. And so the first category of gifts that we see here are the gifts of revelation. And the gifts of revelation are, are gifts that bring, uh, light, uh, bring to light things that are hidden, maybe ideas about God that are hidden, bring to mind thoughts and intentions of God. Those are the gifts of revelation. But then we also see gifts of power listed in here. And the gifts of power that we see listed in here are faith, healing, miracles, the power of God. It demonstrates the power in invisible ways of signs and wonders that can't naturally be explained. They're supernatural. And then we have the gifts of speech. We see the gifts of speech of prophecy, tongues, interpretation of tongues. And, and the gifts of speech uh, uh, kind of give a message of, of God's uh, truth, maybe in the present time, maybe in the future. And, the, and these gifts uh, are, God uses a variety of ways to kind of speak to us, but it's to encourage our faith. It's to encourage us to grow in our faith, maybe even warn us about things that are happening as well. So in the same way Paul is asking the Corinthians to be open to how God wants to work in and through their lives, I, I want to challenge us to be open, to be open to how God might want to work supernaturally in our community. Yet I think many of us might be afraid of some of these gifts. I mean, as I've mentioned, we know that some of these gifts have been misused, abused. They're maybe even foreign to our own experience. Maybe you haven't seen them before, so it just feels awkward or uncomfortable. Maybe you're afraid of becoming weird, as Dave mentioned in there, or it feels weird. Um, maybe you doubt that God actually works this way. So I know there's a hesitancy and a doubt at times. But think for a moment about what we could be missing. What could we be missing out on by not being open 
to the supernatural gifts of God? Are we willing to open ourselves up to how God might be moving and working in and through our community in these supernatural ways? And if there are ways that we can begin to practice these naturally supernatural ways, wouldn't we want to practice them? And that's what I'm going to be challenging you with. And during this series, we're going to be challenging one another uh, to expand our plausibility structure, as we mentioned earlier. Expand that box right there. We all have this plausibility structure in our relationship with God. We all do. But we need to think critically about how did our plausibility structure get created? What has shaped it? What has misshaped it? What has caused it to grow? What's caused it to shrink down? How have we, how have we boxed God in? If your desire is to know God, really know, then we need to expand our plausibility structure about who God is. So the whole challenge that I'm putting before you right now is to let God out of the box, okay? Can you guys do that with me? Can we just let him out of the box? We want to expand our plausibility structure here. We want to expand it. We want to open ourselves up, not just to the possibility of experiencing the supernatural, but I believe we are all meant to experience this supernatural life. And there are four ways that we're going to begin to expand our plausibility structure. I want to highlight them. The first one is through theology. Through theology, I want to expand. We want to have a deeper understanding of the supernatural activity uh, that's rooted in Scripture. I mean, read the Bible. There's tons of supernatural stuff that happens in the Bible. How do we explain that? How do we explain that? The other one is through testimonies. Um, if you watch the bumper video, you saw some familiar faces on there just talking about how God's worked in their lives. We want to share stories about how God has worked in and through people's lives in a supernatural way that has expanded their own plausibility box. I know uh, community, we interact with a lot of international churches, and as I've interacted with them, I realize they have a totally different experience of God than I do, and, and do, the church does in the West. And it's not a different God. They just believe that God acts and works in mysterious ways, and they're open to that. The third way is through tactics. What are some practical ways we can begin to engage in this supernatural activity on our own? How do we pray? How do we hear from God? How do we do that without being weird too, right? And then finally, trust. Overcoming our fear and our doubt about how God works in supernatural ways. We want to help everyone overcome that fear. So here's what I'm looking forward to during this series. I'm looking forward to the ways we learn and hear and practice the very experience of God in a supernatural way, that our plausibility will expand, and that each of us, each of us will expand our own plausibility structures. And as we do that, we begin to expand the plausibility that happens within this church. And through that, more and more people will experience God, and more and more people will find their way back to God. If there is more for us to experience with God, don't you want to do that? I want to ask you to make it a priority to be here. 
Be here for all four weeks of this series, all four weeks of this Naturally Supernatural. Come ready to be challenged. We're going to be challenged. Some of you might be feeling resistance right now. I get it. It can be in your gut right now. But come, be prepared to be challenged. But let's lean in this together. Let's lean into this. Let's expand our plausibility structure about how God is working in and through us in this community. I love these words from author Gary Best. He says, and you can read along with me, if we are simply willing to try to see what God is doing and take the risk of reaching out to put our hands with his, anything can happen. A miracle is potentially within reach of any moment. It doesn't matter how we feel. It doesn't matter how well or poorly we speak. It doesn't matter how brilliantly we perform. If we happen to catch hold of what God is desiring to do, all of heaven can break loose. All of heaven can break loose. Can you join me? Can you join me? Can you reach out your hands and take hold so all of heaven can break loose? Each week of this series, we are going to close with a prayer. And I hope that you take these words of this prayer with you and pray them throughout the week, not just here on Sunday. But this is a prayer that will help open us up and to invite the naturally supernatural into our lives. The words are, God, expand my vision, embolden my heart, and release your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. I want to just invite you to say that with me right now. Will you say it with me on the count of three? One, two, three. God, expand my vision, embolden my heart, and release your kingdom on earth as it is in heaven. Thank you.